Welcome to Crackin' One Open. I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Elise. And what's going on? <laughs> well, this week is uh, kind of a special week. We have our first fan pick, I guess you would call it. Mm. Um, so special thanks to my dad, who provided us with the beer that we will be reviewing for you this week. Um, he is a giant fan of Monty Python, as are we. Um, and he discovered that there is actually a Monty Python themed beer and set out on a mission to find it for us. And now we have it. And uh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> and also, uh, he composed our theme song. So shout out for that. Shout out to her for the end. God, I just I can't do anything right. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> Your words, not mine. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's crack it open. <laughs> this is called cracking one open, isn't it? Fair. You ready? Yes. All right. So this beer is called Monty Python's Holy Grail, and it is from Black Sheep Brewery, which is based in Masham, North Yorkshire, England. Sorry, that was a really bad accent. <laughs> Any of our English fans watching? I'm sorry. Are there any? But she apologizes. There will be a formal apology if you want one. I'll make her write one. No, I won't. I don't care that much. <laughs> uh, so on a side note, I was curious about where exactly this is. So I popped it into Google. And Masham is apparently a small market town and civil parish with a population just over 1,200 people, according to the 2011 census. So it's a fairly small place. Uh, well, Black Sheep is actually one of two breweries in town. The other being TNR Theakston's, uh, which is situated only a few hundred yards away. <laughs> yards. Uh, so the, the history behind these two breweries is actually pretty interesting. So Theakston's had been a family-owned brewery, and five generations in, they decided to sell to a national brewery. And this mm -hmm. is back in 1988. So Paul Theakston, who is part of this fifth generation of brewers, decided to leave the family brewery and start his own brewery in order to support independent brewing in Yorkshire. So Paul is the black sheep. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> and the brewery was built in an old maltings building overlooking the town uh, using equipment sourced from old breweries that are actually still in use today, which is pretty cool. And now Paul's oldest son is running the brewery while Paul is more of an ambassador for the company. So obviously family tradition is pretty important to them, which is cool. So uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail was originally created to commemorate the 30th anniversary of Monty Python. And that was back in 2005. And it became such a beloved part of their bottled beer collection that it's now kind of a regular thing for them. And now they say it's been given a new lease on life with a recent reunion and subsequent Spamalot tour. And according to the website, Holy Grail is a light golden beer with a fresh zesty taste and a long, crisp, bitter finish. It's brewed with a mixture of hops, including WGV, which I'm not familiar with, um, but it gives the beer a light fruity nose. It's a real tongue pleaser. It's 4.0 ABV, and the suggested food pairing is spam, 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 spam. spam. <laughs> <laughs> update, they've actually added two more Monty Python-themed brews to the collection. There's Brian, a naughty pale ale that is a crisp with spiky hop bitterness and light malty base, as well as Flying Circus, a very silly IPA, which is the most recent installment created in 2018. And Flying Circus is brewed with first gold Galena and Amarillo hops for a nose of fresh citrus and juicy peach. Ooh, yeah. that sounds good. 
It does. So aside from that nice brewery background, the reviews of the beer itself online are generally pretty good. I mean, this isn't an IPA or a Goza or a Sour, so it's not going to have crazy flavors that punch you in the face or anything. This is just a solid, easy drinking English pale ale. Uh, Sweet, fruity, and malty were the words that were most often used to describe the taste. A dry finish that's apparently a signature of the Black Sheep beer. So, uh, cheers. Let's try this. When when, when can we try this? (laughs) Not bad. Not bad. Easy drinking? Yeah. (laughs) What are your thoughts? It's beer. (laughs) Uh, No, I get the... I do get the fruity. I get the malt. It's heavy on the malt. I get a lot of malt on this one. I'm wondering if this is something that should be had at a warmer temperature. I feel like the cold might be inhibiting some of the flavors as we were having it in a frosty mug. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. It doesn't taste. We've spoiler. We've had this. We got a six pack. So these are the last two of those cans. So mm. yeah, it doesn't. It's not as the flavors are a little more subdued. Yeah. But I mean, I know that the but it's heavy on the malt and it's still heavy on the malt. I definitely get a even lot of cold, that malt, yeah. even cold. Um, I get that dry finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not an aftertaste like at all. Mm. There's there's some, but not much. Mm-hmm. But I get the um, whatever my dry finish. I just feel like it it goes away. Like it doesn't. Just like hey, I'm here. Bye. <laughs> like it's okay, not bye. like the flavors. While they're subtle and they stay, they're not like lingering. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like it's like it makes you want another sip. It doesn't make you thirsty, but it's like it's not thirst quenching either. Oh yeah, not not really now. <laughs> But a lot of beers aren't. Uh, there are very few beers that are actually, you know, thirst quenching. Like they're fair. I think that's part of what makes a beer uh, crushable. Yeah, that's true. And you like, you just want is, more. Yeah, and more. And this is an <laughs> ale is definitely not something that's normally crushable. True. Although, you know, I have found oh, I can't remember what it was. There's something I had a little while ago that I was like, I find this to be crushable, even though it was not supposed to an be an IPA or a, a sour or anything. It was mm-hmm. like a. Uh, Do you remember what brewery? Don't remember what it was at all. No, but it was definitely like, crushable. Like. It was an ale or a stout or a porter or something. I was like, this is crushable. I could have a bajillion of these. Actually, it might have been something from our pumpkin episode, to be honest. Oh, yeah. That's a callback. <laughs> Check out our pumpkin episode if you haven't. Episode um, 10. But yeah, it's not bad. I will say that when I first had the first can of mm-hmm. this, I was not a big fan at all. Yeah. I drank it. And I was like. Has it grown on you? It has. A okay. little bit. Yep. I don't think it's the greatest beer I've ever had, but. Damn, if it ain't a fun can. It's a, it's a very fun can. <laughs> so can is. Is yellow and puce on top? No, puce is green. <laughs> you should know this. His shoes were red in Fright Night. He called them puce. Is puce green? Interesting. I thought so. Oh, well. Oh, All God. Right. So Am the, I wrong? The can is yellow and magenta-y color, like a magenta yeah. ca- type color up top. Uh, the top of the can says, your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries, which is, of course, a Monty Python quote from the Holy Grail. The Main part of the cover is actually the poster image of the hand coming out of the cloud holding the grail mm-hmm. with Camelot in the background and the knights just kind of chilling in the chalice. Classic. Yep. Uh, you get some like smoky kind of colors on along the edges of the yellow and uh, the classic Monty Python symbol or logo, I guess. And it says yeah, it's what an, you see on spam a lot. An amber gold ale tempered over burning witches. <laughs> And of course, the Black Sheep Brewing logo, which looks to be a barefoot stepping on a thick ass Black Sheep. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that they don't have a uh, a killer rabbit somewhere on here. Yeah, a killer rabbit would have been funny. Yeah, maybe but that could be the their next Monty Python. Maybe that could be one of the next Monty Python ones. True. The Black Knight Stout. Ooh, that'd be interesting. I'll come you to death. <laughs> yeah. 
but I do, it, this definitely has grown on me. The multi flavors are f- very forward mm-hmm. where, as I think I had it too early cause we had gotten this beer a while ago and I feel like it was way too warm then. Oh yeah. So that's this true. is, this is definitely something that's better. I'm not saying this is a warming. This isn't the kind of thing that's like, Ooh, it's going to warm you up. No, but it's, it's, it seems more seasonally appropriate now in November. Yes. It's definitely something cause of the heavy malt. Yeah. Flavor. I guess I get some of the fruity note, but I think what I like about this malt is like you said, it doesn't punch you in the face. Yeah. Is like you drink something like a Budweiser or one of those kind of cheaper lagers and ales. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, you get a lot of malt, but it's not necessarily good, good. malt. <laughs> no. <laughs> and like there's a difference between good. Like we do a lot of IPAs and a lot of sours on the show. Yeah. Because we like IPAs and sours and honestly, they're what's in. But beer for the, a long time. I mean, I did say how, you know, sours and IPAs and all these kind of weird beers were in back yeah, in the day. Yeah, they all back to, yeah. Back, back, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. But for, you know, last, you know, 100 years or so, it's been this kind of beer, very malty kind yep. of beers. And there's a big difference between, you know, you can see why people that became popular when you drink a beer like this, where it's malty, but it's not the aftertaste doesn't make you want to gag and drink something else right afterward. Yeah. Like it does with, you know, cheaper beers like the king of beers. Like it's just <laughs> those be- like it's just mass produced, unloved corporate beers yep um whereas this beer has that malt flavor and it's 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 big it's heavy it it's there but and yet first you're like why i think i hated it at first i was like well, i was afraid of it because malt as i associate it with like bud yeah. Like, yeah but this is really quality quality malt and you do get a lot of it and if you don't know what i mean by malt and even maybe i don't know what i mean by malt but it is pretty much the opposite of an ipa in terms of beer yeah it is Sweet, not bitter. Sweet, not bitter. It is that kind of bready, nutty, nutty, rounded flavor. Yes. It is the other side of beer. (laughs) Um, Welcome to the cool side of the pillow. (laughs) And you can't have one without the other, but you know, that's really what makes a beer different from an IPA is is how much malt I would say it has as opposed to how many hops it has. And maybe it's the wort, which I'm still not 100% on what wort is. Besides smelling god awful. I used it in the beer I made. (laughs) And that beer was decent. That was good. But yes, I I have grown. This beer has grown on me. I originally was afraid to do this review because I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to review a beer and say this is awful. But it's actually not bad, and it's it is growing on me. Yeah, quite a bit actually. <laughs> I actually thought about it the other day after I had one of the cans. I was like, I could go for another. <laughs> ah, well, it's a good thing our our local liquor store still has a pretty good stock of this one. Because they stocked it because of us. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would recommend checking this out, especially now that it's kind of the season for this these yeah. kind of beers. This is actually not bad. I'm and if you're a Monty surprised. Python fan, this is a great collectible can as well. Yes, I do agree. <laughs> Shall we move on to reviews? Oh, is this not a podcast about Bruce News and pop culture reviews? I don't know. Are we changing uh-huh. the format? We're already uh, 12 episodes in. It's kind of kind of late. <laughs> no, let's go. Continue. All right. You want to go first? You want to go second? What you got? I just got a lot of little news. Okay. All right. Hit me with some news while this laptop's booting up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to let my inner girly girl out for a minute. I'm not usually a fan of soap operas at all, but back in the day, Gossip Girl was definitely a guilty pleasure, and it didn't hurt that it had Kristen Bell as the narrator. This came out uh, right on the tail end of the original three seasons of Veronica Mars, so I was like, yeah. (laughs) Um, So back in July, HBO Max placed a 10 episode order for a new iteration of the former CW hit. And this will feature a new crop of characters. But my girl is 
back as the voice. As the original showrunner stated, Kristen Bell has always been and will always be the voice of Gossip Girl. So as I mentioned, according to TV Line, this show is set to feature a brand new cast, although the door is still open for the OG characters like Blake Lively or Leighton Meester to make an appearance. And the reboot will address how much social media and the landscape of New York itself has changed in the intervening years since Gossip Girl ended, I believe, in like 2011, 2012. And I will probably be giving this a shot, even though I'm <laughs> no longer the target demographic for this kind of thing. But yeah, I'm, a, I'm pretty excited about that. XOXO, Gossip Girl. And on a slightly related note... Uh, according to SciFi.com, fellow fans of NBC's The Good Place will have something big to look forward to, despite the series coming to an end this season. The final episode is going to be a whopping 90 minutes long. Uh, part of this block, no word on exactly what the ratio will be yet, is going to be an after show a la The Talking Dead, hosted by Seth Meyers and including the whole cast and creator Mike Schur, and that will air on January 30th. How long is The Good Place usually? A half hour? Yes. Ah, so probably an hour long show and then a 30 minute talk back would be my guess. That would be my guess. Either way, nice way to wrap it up. Mm. Deadline has also confirmed that the return date for season seven of Brooklyn Nine-Nine will be February 6th on NBC. Ooh. We're both looking forward to that. And TV Line has confirmed that the series finale dates for both Supernatural and Arrow on the CW, with Arrow ending on January 28th and Supernatural wrapping up its final season on May 18th, which is kind of pretty crazy. I think it's on, what, season 15? And admittedly, we stopped watching around season 8. But, I mean, it's still sad to see two shows that we, we followed so closely end. Supernatural needed to go. I love I mean, Jensen Ackles in the show, but it's too many seasons, too many rehashes. It's time to go. It's time to move on. You could do a TV movie later on and down the line. That's yeah. fine. But at some point you have to know when to end your show. Yeah. Eric Kripke does not. It needs to. <laughs> Listen, you leave Eric Kripke. He's not even on there anymore. He's now, no. he's now executive producing the boys and the boys is oh. Amazon's best show. Yeah. Although I have not seen the marvelous Miss Maisel, which I've heard is fantastic. Oh yeah. But I've heard that too. The boys is fucking awesome. So <laughs> we're a podcast about beer. I'm swearing when I want to. <laughs> That's fine. We're marked as explicit for every episode. Um, but yeah, Eric Kripke, he got a lot of props with the boys for me. And I do like, I do like Supernatural, even though I think it's gone on too long. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the season five arc was ideal and then they kept pushing it. And that's why I stopped watching around season like eight or nine. Mm, it just goes on too long. And I will say I am sad to see Arrow go. Yeah. It's called the Arrowverse. He created it. Yeah. It's it's his baby. I, di- I didn't want to watch Arrow because I thought like, oh, I liked. Um, What's his name? Justin Hartley's yep. Arrow, uh, Green Arrow on Smallville because I was a big Smallville guy, even though his character was a little cheesy and a little. I mean, he was quippy like Green Arrow, I guess. He was more playboy. Yes. Um, and then you got Stephen Amell's Green Arrow who's murdering people left and right yeah. and all dark and essentially half Batman. And like at first I was like, ah, and then like. Immediately, like after the first episode, I was just like, this is Hooked. pretty cool. Yeah. And his character has gone through such a transformation and all the characters are great. Um, I do love my Felicity. And maybe not every season and every bad guy has been stellar. Yeah. But when Arrow was good and is good, Arrow is fantastic. It's true. And like season two of Arrow is some of the best superhero television show. 
I've ever seen when Manu Bennett came on as Deathstroke. I started yeah, really kind of messing with him. Season. Everything about that season was so good. And Stephen Amell just really gives the character heart. Like he can do all the action stuff. Like he's believable and he does a lot of his own stunts. Mm-hmm. And then because he's such a, I think because he's such a nice guy in real life, mm-hmm. when he has his more touching scenes, it, it really comes out pretty well. Yeah, I agree. And I, I like that. Um, and plus knowing kind of like what the season's going to bring and what, how I think the show is going to end based on last year's crossover episodes. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm sad to see the show go because I, I don't think it's going to be a happy ending. Oh, of course Arrow. not. I think it it's going to be a happy yeah, ending. Arrow's going to be pretty depressing at the end. Yeah. But I'm all for watching it. And I'm excited. I'm very happy for him to get that new show that he's doing with wrestling. So I know how much he loves wrestling. And on a side note, mm-hmm. we both are subscribers to his um, wine collection. Yes, which is fantastic. And knocking point wine. The, uh, the topic of an upcoming episode, maybe. I think maybe. Yes, absolutely. Because we've been holding onto that bottle for that reason. <laughs> That's right. Cracking one open is spreading its wings and going into different territory. But yes. You got any more news for me, baby? No. What you got? All right. All right. All right. All right. Check it out. 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 Scoob dropped. The first trailer for the new movie, <laughs> Scoob. Oh, that's uh, actually what it's called. That's actually what it's called. Has uh, debuted today as of today as of this recording. Oh, wow. And I thought it was dumb when I first saw the picture. I was like, Scoob, come on. Ugh. That's what my parents call the cat. <laughs> I know. We had a cat called Scoob. <laughs> Basically, the plot line of Scoob is, uh, if you haven't guessed it, it's an animated Scooby-Doo movie. Mm-hmm. It focuses on young Shaggy and Scooby, how they got, got together and met the Mystery uh, Gang, uh, Mystery Inc. Gang. And then also fast forwards and it's one of their adventures as the mystery incorporated team so it's a little bit of a both both kind of a thing uh it's got an interesting cast which i actually kind of like uh so the voice of scooby-doo is frank welker who i guess has played scooby-doo for a very very long time that's cool for most of the more our generation scooby-doo stuff that has come out okay and back in the original series he was actually the voice of fred originally oh that's he was the original fred and then he became scooby-doo all right so he's still gonna be scooby who seems to talk a lot which i guess some of the internet's a little annoyed about why but i don't mind it yeah it's because scooby-doo is always supposed to have like kind of like yeah a very decent but not quite complete grasp of the english language whereas Mm -hmm. the scooby could probably talk soliloquies oh but in a very ro-ro voice Uh, (laughs) ro-ro raggy ro-ri or not to That is the question. That sounded like Scooby meets Yoda. Yeah, I got to work on it. (laughs) I just did it right off the bat. I've had half a beer. That's nothing. (laughs) It's 4.0. You have no excuse. (laughs) Raggy. We are not Scooby. You, you still I think it's just I think it's just because it's Hamlet. And so it's like you want it to be Yoda. I feel like that's on you. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Uh, But other than that, um. Zach Efron is going to play Fred, which I think is pretty oh, perfect casting. Yep. Uh, Amanda Seafried is going to play uh, Daphne. Yep, I can see that. Gina Rodriguez will play Velma. Nice. And what I think is very interesting is Will Forte, MacGruber himself, will really? be playing Shaggy. I, I, all right, I'm done with that. Exactly. It's a very interesting cast. I watched the trailer thinking oh, this is going to be stupid. Mm-hmm. And I probably laughed three times uh, during watching the trailer. Just in the trailer. You know, oh, the trailer dropped last night, actually, because you were asleep in the other room and I was afraid I was going to wake you up because I laughed so hard at like two parts in the trailer. Oh, jeez. Uh, but it looks adorable, obviously. The beginning scene's about a boy and his dog who isn't touched by that. Yeah. That's, that's automatic. Like, oh, you've, you've hooked me uh, in my book. 
And then the other stuff, there's just a lot of funny stuff in there that I thought was cool. Check out the trailer for Scoob. Hopefully you like it. I'm actually a pretty big fan of the live action Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, Sam yeah. Michelle Geller one. Yep. And uh, Linda Cardellini. Linda Cardellini and um, Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard, who's a fantastic Shaggy. Yeah. He's, oh, he's perfect. <clears throat> he's the reason the Shaggy memes exist. <laughs> True. Uh, but yeah, I liked the first live action movie way more than I probably should. So. <laughs> I'm, I've always been a huge fan of Scooby-Doo, so I'm excited for that movie. I will probably see it in a theater, hopefully by myself and not with children. Because that would be embarrassing. I don't care. <laughs> Fun fact, I watched the Lego movie with my best friend and Elise. And when the spaceman in the Lego movie finally gets to do his space stuff and freaks out. Yeah. Me and my best friend, Dave, were probably laughing harder than we were. La- we, I know we were laughing harder than anyone else in that yes, theater because I was so embarrassed by how hard I was laughing, but I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing because it was so funny. And none of the kids in the in the auditorium were laughing at on. all. And uh, I feel like it might be this way with Scooby <laughs> or Scoob. It's a distinct possibility. Uh, let's see. What else do I got? Uh, another thing in the news. Ghostbusters is going to be released in 2020 and it might have a title. Ghostbusters Afterlife is apparently the working title for the film. And according to some reports, it may actually be the actual title that they end up going with. Obviously, Ghostbusters was called Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2 was simply called Ghostbusters 2. And subsequent cartoons and stuff have obviously had their own titles. The very first cartoon show is called The Real Ghostbusters, <clears throat> so on and so forth. So Ghostbusters Afterlife is the plot for this one obviously that's fitting because it's about ghosts and the afterlife what's also even more exciting is the fact that dan Aykroyd has said that all of the original cast will be returning other than of course harold ramis who unfortunately passed away but that does mean that bill murray who has famously said he will never be back as peter vankman is going to be back as peter vankman and uh, I do think it might have something to do with him and Harold Ramis and how he famously always turned Harold Ramis down. And they did oh. um, hate each other after the, they had a big feud after the movie Groundhog Day. And they did patch it up before his death. And I wonder if he's almost doing this to honor oh. um, his old friend Harold right, Ramis, right. Um, who played Egon. Dan Aykroyd has said it's going to be a wonderful story. It's going to be scary. It's going to be thought provoking and heartfelt. So basically it's going to be Ghostbusters. Appropriate. But I'm super excited about the return of all the original cast members. The fact that teen, like 13 year old kids are going to be the main stars. One of them being Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Stranger Things. Things. I don't know if I'm a big fan of that. I'll keep, I'll watch it. And I don't like, I don't like them. And I love Stranger Things. Yeah. But that's not how I picture Ghostbusters. No, but I do like that he's going to be involved because, uh, wasn't that their their Halloween costume in the first yes. season? No, season two was season big two. Ghostbusters theme because Ghostbusters it just came out, so they were all dressed as Ghostbusters. So it's it's fitting. Yeah, but I I hope the movie's great. And 2020, can't, like I'm super excited. I'm super pumped. It's the original cast of yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's crazy that it's gonna come out so soon. Ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I Don't hope it's good. Say. Let's see what else do I got. A quick bit of news. I know I reviewed The Boys in an earlier episode, Amazon's The Boys. Uh, Apparently filming has finally finished on season two and Carl Urban has posted a little bit on his social media Instagram account and says uh, it's coming to your telly in mid 2020. Okay. So my guess is May, June. They probably dove right back into production pretty soon after the first season came out. I think. I think so, because they um, greenlit it, greenlit season two before season one actually came out oh. on Amazon. They were just like, yep, this is going to be good. And it was. It's their most watched show on Amazon. I've already reviewed it, so I'm not going to tell you how great it is. Just yeah. watch it. Season two, mid-2020. Get ready. Another flashback oh, to yep. uh, another crack I want to open is the design 
for the horrible, horrible, atrocious, very terrible, very no good Sonic the Hedgehog live action movie. Or Sonic the Nopog. A.K.A. Sonic as, the as Nopog. the internet dubbed it. As everyone has called it. Has been redesigned and he looks... Kind of cute. And now he looks less nopey. He looks pretty <laughs> much like Sonic the Hedgehog. He's got his green, he's got his white gloves. He's got better eyes. He doesn't have a human mouth. He's Sonic. Appropriately cartoonish. Appropriately cartoonish. His white fur mouth for no reason has burned it back into a beige. Uh, he's got his little belly again. He looks like Sonic the Hedgehog, but in a live action movie. It looks way better. And the trailer actually does have some pretty cute moments for Sonic. Jim Carrey is Dr. Robotnik seems a little much, but we'll see. Yeah. At least he's being silly again. True. Uh, but it looks good. It looks, it's a kid's movie, obviously. So it's very kiddie. It does look like it might be decent. And at least they made Sonic correct. Yeah. Now it's scary. The fact that fans can demand change like that. That's so bad. But I guess it does take some creative control away from people who are actually creators. Yeah. So I get people who are a little opposed to the idea of the studio backing down because of how bad people want it. But when you're dealing with something that's iconic like that, it's, you have to listen to your fans. Yeah, You have to listen to your fan base because they've already, they have ownership of something like this. That's that much theirs. I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog has never had a live action movie. So why would you mess up the design and be like, all right, here we go. You're going to have another super Mario brothers movie on your hand. You have to take fan (laughs) input into account before you do something like that. And I feel like the creators of the film clearly did not before they made the original Sonic the Hedgehog design because of how hated he was on the internet. Um, clearly, they never went with a focus group of people that liked Sonic the Hedgehog. They probably went with a focus group of people who didn't care. Or people who weren't necessarily Sonic fans. Yeah, this is better. They delayed it by a little bit, but I'm sure they'll get more people to watch it now that Sonic actually looks like Sonic. When the yeah. poster comes out and your Sandies come out and your toys come out, mm-hmm. this is what they should see. Yeah. Not the Nopog. Review something for me. (laughs) (laughs) Entertain me. So I would like to follow up on my previous, I guess, news item from a couple episodes ago. I feel Um, like this whole episode is just uh, follow ups to things that we've already done. We're expanding upon them. Okay, so I like it. it's just interesting <laughs> that pretty much every bit of news and reviews is like a follow up on old ones. Um, so his dark materials has now premiered on HBO. Episode one is out. I believe episode two came out yesterday, but we haven't had a chance to watch that yet. Um, so I'm just going to do episode one for right now. Go for it. So the Golden Compass, as I mentioned before, has been one of my favorite books since like third or fourth grade my love for this book predates even harry potter whoa so the 2007 movie needless to say uh despite having both daniel craig and ava green two of my favorite actors uh was unfortunately a pretty big disappointment having prior knowledge of the book i know that you were a fan of the movie as a standalone i thought it was decent yeah for a kid's movie that I got dragged to. I thought I didn't <laughs> expect to like it and I thought it was actually pretty good. But yeah, it, okay. it was too fun. Almost. I don't know. <sighs> I get that so, after watching this first episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I started watching this new HBO series with um, hope and a little bit of hesitation. But within the first like five minutes, my fears were alleviated. The opening scene with uh, Asriel dropping Lyra off as an infant and inv- invoking scholastic sanctuary to keep her safe within Jordan College because her parents just died reminded me an awful lot of a certain scene uh, from Harry Potter where Hagrid and Dumbledore drop Harry off to the Dursleys to protect him while growing up. 
You're all wizard now, Harry. Yeah, it wasn't something that was directly from the book, but it does help quickly establish the relationship between Lara and, and Azrael and why she grew up at a college surrounded by all these stodgy old scholars while she runs around with the servant children and the, the gypsies and all that. And the the set. Let's talk about that set. The, that is the grandeur of Jordan College is what I wanted to see from the original movie. That's what the book really brings into your mind. It makes it sound so, so rich and magnificent. Like everything is this like velvety emerald, rich wood and uh, I don't know. It, <laughs> but it it is like they went into my brain and pulled out this image from from the book. So I was, I was very impressed with the set work. And only a few details were tweaked throughout the episode, such as Lyra watches the master try and poison Azrael from a, a rooftop outside the window, as opposed to being stuck inside a wardrobe, like little insignificant details. But one thing they did add, which was interesting, was the Egyptians having that ceremony to celebrate the children's demon taking its final form. Um, so that kind of signifies the transition into adulthood. And it was also a really good way to introduce Ma, Tony and Billy Costa as an important part of the Egyptian family because they're major characters uh, ongoing. And it's also makes the first appearance of the gobblers a little bit more jarring because they kind of ruin the party in the books that it's just kind of a rumor that the kids kind of talk about amongst themselves. They debate whether or not they actually exist. And it's kind of a a sick game of cops and robbers. They do like children and gobblers. So I think that when Billy is taken at the end of his brother's ceremony, it's like, oh shit, they're real. And I can't help but continue to draw <laughs> parallels between Harry Potter. So there's there's this prophecy and Lyra can't know about it. But now at age 12, she must embark on a journey. And the master gives her the alethiometer, which he can only explain as something that will show her the truth. But she has to figure out how to read it by herself. And soon the balance of the worlds is at stake. And Lyra doesn't know it yet, but she's going to play a big part in it. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> I also really like the stark visual difference between Jordan College and the Magisterium, how cold and angular and clean it is. But the biggest change from the book so far is at the end of the episode, but I do understand why they did it. And that's the way that Roger, um, Lyra's best friend, disappears. And in this version of the story, Mrs. Coulter immediately admits to Lyra that the gobblers are real and promises her that she'll save Roger once they get to London, which gives Lyra more of a reason to go to London, even though she really wants to go to the North. Mm -hmm. And it also gives her a little bit more of a reason to trust Mrs. Coulter, even though she's been warned not to trust anyone. So I am very excited to continue watching this, especially I can't wait for Lin-Manuel's appearance in the later episodes and the polar bears and uh, polar bear battles. Yeah, I'm excited. You should definitely check this out, whether you have read the books or not. Definitely, if you have read the books, this is so much better than the movie. So Golden Compass, HBO, or no, I'm sorry, His Dark Materials. <laughs> the, the, so this series is going to cover all three books in the series over the next three seasons, I believe. I believe that was what they had to said. Yes. Yeah. Check it out. All right. <laughs> What you got? I got. I got Entertain a, me. I got a. I got a review. I got a review to do. Hold, hold on. Oh, it's right there. Oh yeah, that's good. Oh jeez. Oh, so guess what, guys? Oh jeez. 
Rick and Morty's back. It's back, y'all. I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look at me. Oh, boy, they're trying. Season four is pretty good. <laughs> I'm a stickler for the long game or the short game. Short game. I'm a stickler, Meeseeks. How about your short game? Oh, God, how about your short game? Which the Meeseeks are back, y'all. Yeah. A little cameo appearance, but still pretty good. Mr. Meeseeks, kill this Nazi son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So season four premiered. It's been a long, 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 long wait. wait, But it's awesome. And it's back. And it's still funny. And it's still great. Anyone who thinks it wasn't going to be good, your fears have been put aside. Yep. I know that when people, when they signed uh, Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon signed the 70 70 episode or 72 episode contract, uh, a lot of people got afraid that the quality was going to drop down. But judging by the season four premiere, it has not. And judging by the fact that they took way too long and season four's 10 episodes have been broken into two five part seasons because they took too long again, (laughs) means they're still up to their old stuff. Yep. Uh, But now they just have free reign to keep going instead of get hitting all those roadblocks, I guess, with. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever now they only the have their was. creative road, roadblocks, which happen a lot instead of just the money roadblocks. But I mean, it's great. It's it's it was a classic Rick and Morty adventure gone oh, wrong yeah. at the beginning. It's got great use of a lot of gags from previous Rick and Morty's, but yet still telling its own story and really showing kind of the Rick and Morty dynamic has kind of it's it's evolved. It's still always going to be the same, but it's a little evolved. Like Rick, yeah. like Morty and is. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Morty is really tired of Rick's crap at this point and yeah. and so is Jerry and Jerry's kind of back at the head of the household and things are changed like Rick can't just take control anymore he's no longer the alpha dog yeah that he once was uh, which causes Rick to be super frustrated oh, he's so which makes it, it super hilarious yep. and uh, Morty's constant need to die a certain way after he gets his death crystal and has shown one <laughs> death that he really wants causes all the calamity in this episode and it's just Really funny, Mm -hmm. really self-referential and just a great episode that also riffs on what people think Rick and Morty should be. Do its own thing, rely on old past gags or just be classic Rick and Morty adventures or have arcs. And it's just really meta, which is what makes Rick and Morty so great. The comedy is dark and hilarious. Yeah, I actually I rewatched it today and I caught things already that I missed the first time around. Oh, you rewatched it? I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyone who thought that Rick and Morty was going to lose a beat by being delayed for so long. No, it's it has still... not. I can't wait for the next four episodes. And then I hopefully don't have to wait another year and a half just for the next five episodes. Yeah, if you have not watched Rick and Morty yet, I don't know what, what the hell is wrong with you. For? Watch Rick and Morty. It is hilarious. It is self-referential. It is smart, even though it's dumb. Yeah. And it's so fast paced. It is fast paced. It is quick. The rewatchability of it is is worth everything. Watching it in and of itself. It it is so good. So, uh, it's back. (laughs) Grass tastes bad. Ricky Ticky Taffy. (laughs) So that's all we got for you today. All right. So that's it for this episode, guys. Once again, we've been drinking Monty Python's Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Amber Gold Ale tempered with overburning witches from Black Sheep Brewing is good. It's malty. It's delicious. We gave you some news. We gave you some reviews. What else do you want? But really, thanks for tuning in. Um, and if you enjoyed it, please share with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kraken One Open. 
And if you like the sound of my smooth, buttery voice, you can also check me out on other podcasts I do, Forgotten Cinema with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about movies that for for whatever reason seem to have been forgotten by audiences, but we believe they need deserve a second chance. We talk about what we love about them, maybe what made them forgotten in the first place, and some fun facts about their production. So if you like that, it's called Forgotten Cinema. It's also available wherever podcasts can be found. And a special thanks for our theme, composed and performed by Joe Reichert, and also the beer this week. Thanks again. <laughs> <laughs> Till next time. I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Elise. Cheers! Cheers!